Hello, lovely listeners. So, wow, this has been a week for me. Tuesday, I recorded, may I have your attention, please? Wednesday, I recorded with my husband, now that I have your attention. So, if you have not listened to those two episodes, please go back and listen to them now. Do not listen to this one. It'll just, it's not gonna, you need the full picture. What you need to know now, (laughs) I'm literally healing as I go along. I hope there's going to be things that resonates with some of you that isn't from others, but it's underneath all of it. I hope you're inspired and I hope I lead you to be strong for yourselves as I show you what strength looks like because it's not always where you feel strong, but you act in spite of how you feel. I had been asking myself this question, what is wrong with me for years? I went through a promiscuous phase that I cried every night for so long over from so much shame. When I turned my life around when I was 20 and I left the drugs and everything, I would have conversations with my dad where it was just, he didn't know all the details, but he knew that I needed to hear that he still thought I was a good girl. Even on the call, or the call, the podcast on Tuesday, where I am disgusting, I was sexually assaulted. And I didn't know it, because nobody told me that's what it was. I had no one in my life advocate for me. Today, I called my dad, or I texted my dad, because my writing coach, she has me do three morning journal pages every day. Well, ever since I released the podcast, or wrote the podcast, not released it, ever ever since I recorded the podcast, I apologize, on Tuesday, I haven't wanted to write, (laughs) and now I know why, because... Even though I'm supposed to write every day, whether I like it or not, and I'm a teacher's pet, I like to obey and also tell the truth, so I'm going to have to tell her that I didn't write for four days. What I wrote today, after I thought I had released everything on Wednesday, it started pouring out of me again. So, I texted my dad, and I said, Dad, did you know about what happened to me when I was 15? If so, why didn't you press charges? He said that he didn't know. I got on the phone with him and I told him, I've gone from denial in the five stages of grief. It's denial and then it's anger. I've gone to anger really quick. I am fast to heal. I'm fast to do anything. I love speed. Like, I am, I'm quick. (laughs) Let's just put it that I said, 
you know, Dave was saying something about the statute of limitations because now I'm doing all this work to be the mother and heal little Celia. Well, if I'm doing that, why am I not defending this child now that my eyes are open and I see things for what it was? Like, I can, the only thing I can, like, I have to defend her. I have to tell on this person. My dad said that, well, I wouldn't really worry about the statute of limitations because he said there's a grown men that eventually, you know, report priests to, you know, the police. So I Googled it and I'm not even worried about charges at all. All I'm worried about is honoring myself and making myself feel loved because nobody took a stand for her. Nobody had her back. Nobody took up for her. Nobody told her it was wrong and that she, that shouldn't have happened to her. Nobody told me that. My whole life I thought something was wrong with me. I Google it and apparently you can report a police. You can file a police report. It doesn't matter how long ago the crime was. You can do it at any time. I went to my police department in Hendersonville. The girl was so sweet because as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I start getting emotional. And she said that you'll need to call the South Pittsburgh Police Department where I grew up. And uh, possibly they'll want to see you in person. And I said, here's the thing. I was like, this happened 22 years ago. I don't expect anything from it. I'm just doing it for myself to get this drama out of me. Sorry. She said, they will treat it as if it just happened. She said, they will. And I just knew when she told me that, that that's what my soul needs. That's what my heart needs. So I called the South Pittsburgh Police Department. The lady was triggering me a little bit. She said, well, honey, that was a long time ago. I said, I'm aware. I said, I've already researched this. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. I could still file a police report. I don't need anything to happen from this other than me. I'm just advocating for myself. And it's a powerful thing. It is a beautiful thing. I'm going to skip back for a second. I know I do this. When I was talking to my dad earlier, he said, you know, I mean, listen to your podcast and I knew this was going to happen. I was, I was, knew this was going to happen and digging up old wounds. And I said, dad, I hope you know that this is, it's a good thing. You're hearing me be a mess right now, but this is unresolved trauma. It's not like I'm picking at a scab. Whatever you, when something's a scar, it doesn't make you like cry anymore for me. I'm not picking at a scar. Um, I'm touching on a wound that I didn't even know was a wound. I'm going to be so much stronger and I'm going to lead the way for other girls that have gone through this and they thought it was their fault too. It is not too late to advocate for yourself. It was not okay. It was the source of an identity crisis almost within me. 
I'm, as the days go on, I've literally faced this for a couple of days, but as the days go on, it's going to become more and more clear. So my dad is on board. He said, I know. And then he told me, I told him I was, he texted, I said, I got to go. I know I'll be in a basket case, but I got to go into Orange Theory. And whenever I got out, he sent me a text saying that, you know, him and my mom, which is my, she's been my mom since I was a two, since I was two. He said, y'all are sunshines in my life, and there's no one sweeter than either of you, and I'm so proud of you. I told him what I was going to do. I said, I just left the police station. I'm filing a police report with Summitsburg, and he told me I'm proud of you. Now, my husband, he has been out of town for two days. He is not able to check his phone right now, so when he... <laughs> opens his phone. He's going to hear me go from, I'm feeling hysterical right now, to I asked my dad if he knew about the abuse. And he, he said, this is the first time I've heard about it. I accused him of not filing a police report. And he's going to hear I'm outside Hendersonville Police Station. And now I am talking to the chief of police from South Pittsburgh. A wild turn of, <laughs> chain of events, turn of events since this morning. So, I get, I call that lady. She's triggering me at the police report. She was like, I'm going to have somebody call you back. But I'm like, I'm sorry, lady. I'm still doing this. I'm not going to let you bother me <laughs> with your commentary. I have this gentleman call me back. I recognize his name. I'm not going to say his name now because I don't even know if I'm allowed to, even if I'm, he was actually, oh my gosh, he is going to be a crucial part to my healing of this. He is the he was the most sensitive, gentle soul on the phone with me. In his mind, he doesn't care. Like, he's like, if I can build a case, I'm going to build a case. I don't even need any of that. And I'm going to tell you this. A part of me almost wasn't going to do this. And I probably wouldn't have if the emotions didn't come back up on me like they are and me realizing how traumatized from this I am because I thought I don't want to ruin this person's life I don't want to hurt anybody but then you you really do think if nobody ever tells him this is wrong who's to say he's not going to keep doing it and then when you think about the fact that you could be doing it for somebody else, not just for your own healing, it gives you strength and it gives you purpose because it's not just about you. Because sometimes it's hard to love ourselves, obviously. But if it's for someone else, it's easier to justify them being worthy. And this has me thinking a lot about how we struggle with our worth. Well, if signs pointed to no one thinking we were worthy as a child, no wonder we're effed up, right? That should make it so much easier to forgive ourselves. The gentleman on the phone, when he found out who my mom was, where the abuse took place at her furniture store, he said, I believe that I've met you before. And I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said, <clears throat> I didn't have problems until after this. And it wasn't necessarily just because of this. But my mom was 
having some stuff going on and it was just all of it was a ton of chaos and I ended up running with the wrong crowd and you know doing coke even doing like meth and I was like there's nothing wrong with South Pittsburgh but it was not conducive to me ever coming out of the mess that I was in so I now live near Nashville and Hendersonville I told him I said I'm not ashamed of who I am, but I'm sorry if you met me then. He can't really remember anything, but he did say, he said, didn't your mom have a church there across the street from the furniture store? I was like, yeah. He's like, what was the name of it again? And I said, well, one time it was something mission. And the next time it was like blood and fire ministries. He said, that's right. He said about your mom. He said her heart was in the right place, but her head was just I was like, I know. He said, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say anything bad about your mom. I said, I know. I said, I'm so glad it's you I'm speaking to instead of some stranger from Hendersonville. Like he's intricately connected with my past. He said one time he called child services and I said, why did, you know, who did, what did my stepdad have you do that? Like what happened? He said there was some man that was homeless guy that was living there because your mom, you know, her heart was in the right place. She was housing homeless people. And he and I had a relationship somehow and he told them about some stuff that was going on and they were worried about the kids. So they called them there. He said he saw my mom have a strainer and like casting out demons. And I said, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> and he was, I was like, how did you see that? And he was like, she wasn't in her right mind. And I said, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that you saw that. But now <laughs> maybe you understand, like, why everything was so crazy. He was like, yeah, it was, you know, they the child services went over there and they deemed her sane. They just said, you know, she was struggling with the, di the divorce. Anyway, wow. I know that was just a lot. But I guess we'll see how all this unfolds. Again, I'm not out to earn a penny. I don't need a penny. I am not out to send anybody to jail. I don't need anything from this other than it to be known that it was not okay. I love myself. I can speak for myself. I can say no. I am strong. I am not the little girl that I was. If he saw me going down the road right now, and told me to pull over, I would try to run him off the road. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that, but I wouldn't pull over. I might even flip him off. I don't know what I would do, but I can promise you I'd have enough self-respect to not pull over. People like that that have came in our lives in our childhood, and I, this is like a digital uh, molestation thing. It wasn't the full-on whatever that some people go through. What I have experienced, and you hear how the trauma in my voice from talking about it, it was nothing compared to what other women have gone through and other girls. And maybe that's part of why I downplayed it so much is because, again, I never said no. Yes, I ran away. And yes, I felt repulsed and like I wanted to throw up. But it wasn't like a situation where I was held down forced against my will sort of thing. I know other women have gone through way worse things. And what I hope what this can make you feel now that I'm 
coming out of the trauma and having a stronger voice is that if you are ever inappropriately touched, or maybe it didn't get that far, but you were talked to inappropriately by an older man when you were underage, and you maybe felt like it was your fault or you played a part in it, no, they were wrong. And I'm, I just, I can't help but believe that the statistics would show that girls that have been molested or sexually assaulted end up being promiscuous. It's like our one thing, we were, we couldn't say no to pulling off the side of the road. We couldn't say no to being touched or kissed. You could run away. But then whenever you go through the promiscuous phase, and I'm not talking about where you meet a guy, you think he likes you, you sleep with him too early, and then he's like on to the next girl. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if other women can relate to the feeling of you're controlling the situation one time over, no feelings, no attachment. That probably a lot of times activated their insecure attachment issues because I wanted nothing to do with it and they thought that they were in love with me whenever they were really not in love with me just like girls are not really in love with the guys that ditch them after it. It's all about a trigger. But that's what it was. Now I have my answer. <laughs> we were just talking about the other day with my husband. Wonder why I was like that. Now we know. So to be continued, I am on Wednesday. Today is Friday. I said, I'll drive down there right now. I said, as long as it can be an hour and that way I can be back in time to pick up my kids from school. And he said, well, today's not a good day because I want the woman with me, her, his sergeant. He said, because there's going to be questions that I ask and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. And I said, I really appreciate that. But he said, they took a girl that had gone through repeated sexual abuse from where she couldn't even sleep at night to where now she can sleep at night. Because he said, everything helps you heal. He said, speaking about it helps you heal. So, here we are. It's never too late to address something that happened from your childhood. And I can tell you, if I wasn't doing this podcast, <laughs> I would not be here right now figuring this out. So, in the end... I hope it helps you. I know it's helping some of you, but it's healing me. And I told one of my girlfriends, how crazy is it that I think that that's crazy? I titled this, it was in my heart to title this, My Journey to Self-Worth and Healing. And I'm literally sharing my journey to self-worth and healing. Why am I shocked? <laughs> Why am I shocked that all this is happening? It's so beautiful, and I hope that you guys can get past all the crying at the beginning because I know that's annoying to try to understand somebody whenever they're crying because you probably can't understand me, but the message, I'm sure, is clear. I am taking control in a healthy way. I am not dominating relationships, situations to show that I'm the boss but I'm showing that I'm the boss of me and I'm advocating for me and little Celia deserves somebody to take up for her. She deserves somebody to tell him it was wrong. She deserves somebody to press charges. She deserves somebody in her life 
to let her know that she was just a child who didn't have a father figure present and that she was easily to be manipulated and that she needed attention and that she was, that's all it was, that there was nothing wrong with her, that she was not a bad girl. She needed somebody to advocate for her and that's what I'm doing and we'll see where it goes. So again, if you hear of a bunch of people going to jail, just know you're an episode or two behind because I'm sure I will tell you about it within the podcast. But seriously, I don't really hope he goes to jail, but I do hope he has a record so he can't. I, I hope it becomes so public that he is not able to be left alone with 15-year-old girls again. So, the end. Talk to you guys soon. Love you. Bye. Mm-hmm.